we just had camp about two weeks ago. And before I even get into camp, if you donated, if you purchased donuts, whether it was one donut, whether it was a box, if you bought those awesome Heart of the Canyons t-shirts I'm seeing some of you wear, thank you, thank you, thank you. Your donations, your service help bring these kids to camp. And fun fact, this isn't even all of our kids because when we took this, some of our kids were like trying to nap, running around somewhere. So this isn't even all of them. But I want to thank you so much, just sincerely. Like, give yourself a round of applause. Like, just thank you so much, church, uh, because camp was incredible. Um, I can go on and on about camp. If you know me, uh, I love camp. Uh, I've been going, I haven't missed a camp since eighth grade. Uh, I, as a camper, working, and then now having the opportunity to go serve students at a camp, um, it's awesome. And if you want to know what happened at camp, here are three big questions you can ask. A student who you're like, hey, you went to camp? You can ask them, what was something fun that happened? You can ask them, what's something random that happened? And then most importantly, what's something spiritual that happened? So something fun, I would say, it was camp. Uh, raise your hand if you've been to a summer camp before. So I hope those who raised your hand, you know how fun summer camp can be. Well, I hate to brag, but our group is really fun. Um, they just are. If you know, you know. Um, and when I was trying to figure out what was like a specific thing that was so fun about camp, it was hard to pinpoint one thing because it's just camp. You know, camp, you don't really get sleep. You eat food that's sometimes good, sometimes not that good. Um, you play rec games for our group. Fun fact, we're not competitive, so we actually look at the games and we're like, ha, 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 let's cheer. Let's make some dumb cheers up. And uh, we got in last place, which is awesome. <laughs> it was great. We loved it. Um, and it was just camp, because camp is an opportunity for the church, for the ministry to just be the church on an island in Catalina. As we, as we like to say, to get off America and go to Catalina. That's the joke at camp. And camp is just fun. It's just an amazing time to connect with one another, connect with God, and just to leave knowing what the church is able to be. Now, I was wrestling with sharing the story, but I have to share it. Something random. They know. They know exactly where I'm going with this. So we're on Avalon. It's, a, it's an island off America. And... I'm walking to the beach, and I have a student walk up to me and says, hey, there's a surprise for you. And he has a little smile, which is not one of those good smiles. It's like, okay, what's, what is this? And then I was like, what, what is this? He's like, you'll see. So I walk down, and I see some of our staff talking with a kid covered in water. But I can't see his face, and I'm like, who is this? Then the kid turns around. And it's Calvin. And Calvin, who's waving his hand in the back. Hi, Calvin. Calvin graduated, what, two years ago? One year ago. Needless to say, he's not in our ministry anymore. And I see him on the shoreline 
on, av- on campus by the sea. I'm shocked. Because my first thought is, how did you get here? And then I look and I see a kayak on the shoreline. He kayaked from Avalon to Campus by the Sea. Wow, indeed. And then I was like, what are you doing here? He's like, oh, well, me, Paul, and Don kayaked. I was like, there's more? And so then I, I, I look around the corner of this rock, and, sh- and lo and behold, I see Paul. Hi, Paul. And Don Miguel sharing a kayak, kayaking in the camp. Now, in the moment, I don't know what to think because I'm like, this is crazy. But the camp director put it into perspective. Because the camp director, Joel, he's never seen this. They never thought any of this could happen. But what it showed was, honestly, I think the power of camp. Yeah, I'm spinning it, guys. That may not have been your intention, but I'm spinning it. Because although it was crazy, and it was like, you guys are crazy, but there's a part of me that just couldn't help but just laugh because I was like, these guys just want to hang out with us. They just, they're doing it because it's funny, but we looked at it all as just like, wow. Like, camp is a very special place. And it's fun, and it's chaotic, and you don't get sleep and you're, you know, have dance parties, and we're swimming. And a story like that only happens at camp. And I, I had to share it because I just think it's so funny, but so awesome at the same time. Now, something spiritual. And I have to say, this camp was a special one because it was, it, I was able to have amazing conversations, amazing moments with these students and really see their heart and really understand it and they're able to understand my heart. But I don't want you just to hear from me. We actually have a student who wants to share and it's Tessa. Now, Tessa literally just decided to share like five minutes ago. So tell the church about camp. Hi. <laughs> I'm nervous. Um, so camp was, was really fun. <laughs> um, um, I don't know where to start. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so camp was like really fun and stuff. <laughs> and um, we had like we had a moment of quiet time where we, where we actually went into the place where we listened to worship and everything, and the speaker was really cool, and she, she told us that it's time that we go out and go to one of your favorite spots in one of the camp, and then um, just, like, have a moment with God, and I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> because um, I, I've been having trouble, like, I don't know, I've been just having trouble, like, talking with him and, like, like him, like, talking to me back and stuff. So she was like, okay, write down, like, anything you want, like, talking to God. So I went over by the beach because that's where I feel most comfortable with, like, the waves crashing and me just, like, in my quiet zone, quiet place, just, like, all my, all, all things set on talking to God. And I go there, I sit down. And I'm writing, I'm like, okay, I don't even know what to start and what to talk about, but I'm just going to lay it all on you and 
wherever this conversation with me to you, just put it all in your hands. So I'm writing and I'm like, I don't, I don't know like where to start. Like, I, I feel like um, coming here, it was like there was this big stress. There was this big stress on me um, about school, and I just, I really want to just forget about all that. So, um, um, quiet, quiet times over, and I wrote down all I needed, and we go into. Um, it was later that night. We go into like fire pit, like talking time about like what spiritually happened at camp, and I'm sitting there next to my sister, and I'm like, everyone's going, like, not, well, yeah, people are going, and um, I'm sitting there, and I have this, like, weight on me, and I'm like, what is going on? Why is there a weight on me saying I should go up there? But I'm, like, sitting there, like, forcing myself not to go up there, and um, she's like, okay, um, last call for people who want to go up, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, I really don't want to go up there, but oh, I have to, so I'm like, I'm going up. So I, I walk out, and I'm like, what did I just do? I'm walking there, and I take that, I take the microphone, and I, I tell them what I just told you guys, and I'm like, oh my gosh, and then everything just starts pouring on me, and I start crying, and I'm like, what is going on? Why did I do that? Would, uh, and then Caitlin, she's like supporting me, and she's like, um, she's hugging me. She's like, you did the right thing. Good job. Like, I'm so proud of you and stuff, and then, um, yeah, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> That takes a lot of courage to come up here. It really does. So thank you so much for sharing, Tessa. Hey, it's good to see you guys. Thanks for having us. Man, what a great crowd this morning to baptize um, and to celebrate that you guys are doing. It's amazing. All across the book of Acts, um, it reminds us that it's so important uh, to come back and report on what God has done. So I think it's so cool that you set this service apart uh, this morning to allow the campers to tell you about how God has at work their lives and you've allowed us to come uh, and just to break down into worship. So Jim, thanks for your leadership and thanks as a church for taking time to do things differently and to hear what God's doing. Um, who is this dude standing here talking to you? Um, we were a few weeks ago, actually, gosh, it's been two months ago almost, right? You guys allowed me and uh, our whole family wasn't able to be here, but we came and shared with you, I think, Jim, it was back in May, about the opportunity that God has given our family to go halfway around the world uh, to share the gospel with those who have never heard the good news of Jesus. And you were so generous to be a part of sending us around the world to do that. So I just want to start by saying thank you, thank you, thank you that you are a part of sharing the gospel around the world by generously giving so that our family could serve. And this was such a special uh, time of mission, uh, especially for me. I've had an opportunity to serve all around the world for many years, but this was the first one in a dream to have the opportunity to share as an entire family on mission around the world. And so first off, since they weren't all here last time, tell everybody who you are, tell them your name, and how old you are. Um, I am Chase, and I am 16. I'm Chloe, and I'm 12. I'm Charlie. <laughs> I'm Charlie, and I'm 10. I'm Jennifer, and, and you don't want to say. I'm not sharing that. <laughs> I was wondering how it was going to go when it got down to you, but I just thought, let's see what she does. So this is my beautiful wife, Jennifer. Uh, Thursday, we celebrated 21 years with this great crew. And so, yeah, absolutely. And so, um, so thankful that we got to do this together. And again, thank you for sharing. I'm reminded of how Paul wrote to the Philippian church and thanking them in remembrance of them for the partnership they gave in the gospel of helping him do what God had called him to do. And I'm telling you right now, 
You right here in Southern California were part of what God is doing in Kenya by helping send our family. So I want to thank you. As just a recap, we're not going to stand here and flip through uh, a bunch of uh, pics for you. I know that when I grew up back in the South and West Kentucky, if you couldn't tell, I'm not from this part of the South, California. I'm part of their part of the South. We grew up with a missionary coming on Wednesday night and flipping through about an hour and a half of slides. What I want to do is we want to kind of help uh, experience for you what we experienced in Africa. And so the organization we worked through is called SRV, where we were able uh, to go and to participate in helping teach the Bible and the gospel in the way that their culture responds. A lot of times in mission agencies, what we'll do is we, are the, we think we're the tip of the spear. We think we're going to go over there and we're going to save them. And we're going to tell them how to do it. And this is the way we do it right here, so you need to do it that way. Well, the organization that my friend leads, his name is Mark Overstreet, and he leads an organization called SRV. It stands for Strategy, Resourcing, Serving, Vision. And his whole idea and his whole purpose that God has laid on his heart is to help bring the gospel and teach the Bible in a way that they can best respond and teach the Bible and plant churches, not come tell them how to do it. So I really fell in love with his vision and his plan. And so what we were able to do is to go to Kenya, and to begin to explain the gospel and teach the Bible in a way they learn, in the way they teach. Well, how do they teach? How do they learn? In our culture, we're mainly a literate society. We read and we teach, right? And then we teach more and we read more. Well, in their culture, they're not reading. And not only are they not reading, they're definitely not, even if they could read, uh, reading our Bible and our language. And even if they had it in our language, sometimes they're not going to read it because they are oral. They're an oral culture. And so what they want to do is they want to tell stories. So they're, for generations to generations, the way they have taught practices and culture and things and education is through oral. And so our ministry's job is to go over and to help train local leaders to discern how they can best share the gospel in their culture, which is orally, and then help them discern out of the Bible what are the stories that help reach their culture and do it orally without having to read it. This, the, some of the people we were working with still to this day do not have the new, old, or any of the Bible in their language. And so how else are they going to learn unless we tell? So what we want to do this morning is just take five minutes, and we're going to ask questions because that's what we did a lot in Africa. We were in the classroom a lot. I think there's a picture, maybe the next one, that shows some kids in the class. Yeah, so these are some of our kids. that we were. Uh, they were basically storying the creation story on the blackboard, but we taught creation through asking good questions and helping them tell us back. So what we want to do is so that you can understand our whole family's experience is I want to ask my family some questions so that you can kind of get an idea of what you were part of. You can also hear what God did in their lives, um, and we can do it in a way that we did it for about a week in Africa. So first, we'll go youngest to Otis. That's Charlie, by the way. Oh. Hey, Charlie. So I'm going to ask, like, right. I'm going to ask just two questions, and we'll basically be done. So, Charlie, what was something that was very interesting or unique that you experienced by going to Africa? Um, probably when we were in the bush, we learned that people would spread cow poo on their ankles to show their wealth and their riches. That's kind of interesting, right? We were used to stepping over poo where I was raised. But there, she's literally right. They would spread it on their feet and on their legs. The men would as they walked through the bush. And when we talk about the bush, we're not just talking about the hedges at my house. We're talking about the remotest parts of the world where there's no civilization other than huts 
and living off the land, living off goat's milk, and the men would spread poop on their legs. And the reason they did that is because as ladies saw them, that was a sign of wealth. Some here drive Teslas, some put poop on their feet. <laughs> and it literally is a sign of wealth because why do you think poop means wealth? Because they actually have something, right? And that's how they survive. We also, somebody putting poop where else? On their house. On their house. Why was she spreading poop on their hut? Because it was a sign that she has goats, which meant she has something. And so it's a sign of weather. It was very unique. So you're right, Charlie. That was really cool. Chloe, what was something unique or interesting? I thought it was interesting that the, everyone there, um, they're okay with simple. So if we would play games with them, we would play with Play-Doh or we would play something like Duck, Duck, Goose. And even the older kids, um, they still enjoy the simple things. But when we're here, a bunch of... Like, I probably wouldn't play Duck, Duck, Goose just, for, like, for right. an hour for fun. Right. So keeping things simple. It was very interesting how simple things could be, but yet how fun, how engaging it could be. Chase, what about you? Okay, well, at home, I'm used to just rinsing my toothbrush under the faucet and not thinking about it. But um, while we were there, I went through maybe four or five different toothbrush. I had a smoker's toothbrush at one point. I had a dual <laughs> toothbrush, just whatever I could find. And um, it was just something super small I take for granted here that, we have clean water even in our faucets, not just drinking water that I can rinse my toothbrush in and not think twice about it. Yeah, so literally the reason he had five different toothbrushes is because I'd go in and check on him that night. He's like, hey, you ready to get ready for bed? He's like, hey, yeah, Dad, um, I put the toothbrush under the water again. And so then don't brush your teeth for a couple of days till we can find a market that we get you a new toothbrush. But he's exactly right. Like we take for granted the fact that I can just put my toothbrush under the water and I can brush my teeth. But there you just can't do that. Um, because of the different diseases and sicknesses and without chlorinated water. Uh, it was very interesting to learn, man, that just made life difficult sometimes. Jen, what about you? You got one interesting one? Yeah, I think for me, one of my favorite things, the teachers that were there, we asked them, what, what can we teach you or what do you want us to help you with? And they wanted us to help them make a cake. And just, um, it was like seeing a kid figuring out how to do something for the first time, just cracking an egg. The, the men there do not cook culturally. It's just inappropriate. Um, but it's inappropriate for you too, right, Jim? Yeah. Okay, I was saying so. <laughs> they were uh. in that, um, they wanted to take that class. And so just teaching them how to crack an egg, to use the mixer, it was comical, but it was, it was just exciting to see them learning that thing for the first Matter time. Matter of fact, that's Jen's fantastic oven right behind her. I think it was a no-bake oven. My easy bake. Easy bake, yeah. And they made like five cakes in that thing or something. It was pretty crazy. All right, we're going to keep on with two questions and we'll be done. This is what we would have done, honestly, with a group of people as well. As we were teach the creation story, we would ask questions like, hey, based on that story and based on your experience, what is something that that taught you about yourself, Charlie? So based on the story we've, we, of our family going to Africa, in that story, what is something you learned about yourself? Um, I learned that not everybody has, like, toys or microphones. Yeah, hit the bottom. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah, you take that one. Okay. Um, and that um, we need to be. Bottom. Don't hit the bottom. There you go. Just hold the top. There you go. Like that. Oh, okay. Um, that we need to be grateful for what we have. <laughs> and that not everybody has, like, 
a building for their church because when we went to the bush, the bush um, for church, they had these vines and branches for their building slash church, and they would either have these wooden benches or sitting on the ground in the dirt. So. That's right. So on Sunday, we you can pass the one to Chloe. So on, we arrived on Saturday, but on Sunday, the very first thing we did uh, well, first we landed in Nairobi, then we drove three hours to where we were going to base in the countryside. But then on Sunday, we drove another four hours out to dirt roads to literally the bush. And here's a picture of the bush that the guys are talking about. This is their church. I didn't touch the bottom, I promise. And their church, church, church is in the bush, which means there's just nothing there except for their huts. And this is how they welcomed us, the joy in their face. And uh, Charlie's right. It was literally just they'd taken some twigs, they kind of made a circle out of it, and they put some wooden benches down, and they were so excited that we would come all the way from Southern California to sit and to worship with them in the middle of absolutely nowhere. Chloe, what out of this story, what is something you learned about yourself? So I learned that I need to be patient with other people because when we were there and we were teaching the kids, Sometimes they don't understand all of the words that we're using, and we talk very fast compared to them. So just need to slow down so that they can understand. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. This is Chloe with one of her favorite little boys that attached himself to her the entire time. Chase, what did this story teach you about yourself? Um, while we were there uh, in Africa, all the appointments and meetings, everything, time just works differently. We called it Africa time because... If we went and got coffee and we were late for dinner, it wasn't a big deal, and we could be extremely late, and everyone didn't notice. That's right. Nobody notices when you're late either, Jim. So, yeah, I just need to learn how to be more patient and just live in the moment. Yeah, and this was a great moment of chase, standing in the middle of the bush, in the middle of nowhere, with a guy who found a tie, by the way, who thought the Americans dressed like them. Well, we didn't have ties on and uh, such a nice man in the middle of nowhere. He is one of the leaders that the organization we partner with and that you too can partner with if you choose to supports a man like him in the middle of nowhere taking the gospel to people who have never heard the name of Jesus before. Um, and so Chase was able to stand there and, and to be with him. We prayed with him. It was fantastic. Jennifer, what did the story uh, teach about you? I would say what I learned about myself was I'm very afraid. <laughs> I was afraid of riding on the bus afraid of car accidents, I was afraid of getting off the bus, having to use a squatty potty, afraid we were gonna eat something that was gonna make me sick or my kids sick. Um, so I was just walking in this constant uh, state of fear. Um, but God is trustworthy. And so um, thinking about that and seeing myself in that situation kind of taking me outside of where I live and where those things are not an issue, um, and just recognizing God is trustworthy wherever I am, and I have a choice to make. I can choose to walk in calmness and in confidence in him, um, or I can continue to walk in fear. So, Yeah, that's so good. Charlie, so this story, we know what it taught you about yourself. What did this story about going to Africa teach you about God? It taught me about God that he always protects us no matter where you are because when we got off that um, bus to go to church at the bush, um, they told us that there was a disease going around and they're pretty sure that it is typhoid. So um, I, got, I was scared that someone was going to get typhoid or I was going to get typhoid, but... Um, 
God protected us mm. from, because everybody was holding hands and dancing with each other. So um, it was scared. I was scared, but then God protected us through the whole thing. So, mm. so he taught you that he is your protector, huh? And he really was. This Again, they were holding hands everywhere. And we literally driving out in the mud roads. I kept telling Chase, you know we're pushing out of here. You know this, right? Because it actually had rained the week before. And once we finally got out there, I mean, they just wanted to be with you. They just wanted to touch you. And again, remind us that the gospel can be so simple at times and just loving on one another and spending time together. But we literally driving out there, our translator would turn and go, oh, and by the way, sorry, they're pretty sure it's typhoid. And then we drive a little farther, he goes, oh, and I'm sorry, but we want to pray for this hut right here because they lost their child last week. And so, sure, as we were driving up, we had that sense of fear that Jennifer talked about. But yet, as Charlie said, he taught us about himself that he could protect us no matter what as we're doing his work. Chloe, what did this story teach you about God? So I learned that God can be worshipped anywhere, and he loves worship from all of his people. And that mm. um, it doesn't matter what language you praise him in. So, like, they were out there, and they were singing, and they had their worship service in a language called Samburu, and we didn't understand it, but God still understands it, and God still loves it. Mm, that was so neat as we sit there and worship uh, together. It was great. Chase, what did this story teach you about God? Yeah, um, I learned that God is big, and he accomplishes his mission with all his people in his kingdom. And so, even the people in the bush, to the people of the in the churches in Southern California, he gets his mission done and spreading the gospel. Yeah, and these kids were all over this six-foot boy <laughs> the whole time. His arms were sore by the end of it, uh, but God is big. No, thanks, Chase. That's great. Um, I didn't tell these these guys what to say. We literally sit uh, this weekend, even at breakfast of the day, just saying, all right, this is what we're going to do. What does God teach you? And as a dad, what it taught me is I'm well, first, I'm just very proud. So, again, thank you as a church that you participated to help me fulfill a dream of our entire family serving around the world. And here's the thing I want to encourage you. You can, too. Uh, you can do what these kids and my wife have done and even scared to death in the middle of a village of getting typhoid. Uh, God is with us, and he protects us. And um, one of the neat things for me that he taught me uh, about myself is... Um, that as a dad, I can trust him. And as Jennifer said too, uh, what was very interesting about Charlie and all of us being there is Charlie was the youngest of a team of 12. Um, and our leader there, his name was Simon, and we would sit at dinner time. And he just said, I just want you, well, first off, he freaked me out because he said, first off, I just want to say that, how do you say it? Oh, he goes, You are so brave. You are so Why? brave that you brought her. Why am I brave? <laughs> Did I miss something, or were you talking to our partner saying we should come? And uh, he goes, no, really. He said, because most people, again, wouldn't do that. He goes, but she's fine, isn't she? It's like, she is, because we're just usually so afraid of what we don't know. But what we do know is what these guys just said is God's much bigger than all of our fears. And he was just saying, so thank, thanking us so much for even bringing the littlest of the little of our family to just come eat with them to share a meal with them, to love on them, and to pray with them. And so if we had time, the only other question I would ask them is, what does this teach you about the world? And so what does it teach you about yourself? What does this story teach you about God? What does this teach you about the world? And I'll answer that question, and we'll close it. Uh, what this experience in the story of going to Africa teaches about the world is that God cares about the world. Um, he cares about us, too. And we got a lot of ministry to do right here in Southern California, without a doubt, all across North America. I work for an organization that plants churches in North America. I know he cares about that. But he also cares for every little kid 
and every human being around the world who has no access to what we have access to this morning. That's what he taught me about the world. He cares about the world. Uh, when I was here with you guys before, I think I shared, I'll pull up, I think I know the number. I was sharing with you guys some of the stats, um, but basically we were serving. We were in what they would call basically level two is where we were based, where there's less than 2% evangelicals, people that understand the gospel. Where we drove out to the bush, that everybody keeps referred to in our family, there is 9 million people like that who have never heard the name of Jesus and have no access to the Bible in their language. Actually, it's more than 9 people who have any access to the Bible. There's, only, there's more than 9 million people who have never heard the name of Jesus. And so what he taught me about the world, about God, about ourselves, and about the world is he cares about them. Well, if he cares about them, what does that tell me about me? I've got to care about them. And if I care about them, then I've got to do something about it. And we often ask the question, I think I shared this with you when we were here in May, because a lot of times we've kind of argued about, well, when's the end going to come? When's Jesus going to come back? And we'll just stay here and do church until he comes back. Well, if we do that, he's never coming back. If we just stay here and we do church, do you know that? Jesus isn't coming back. Because Matthew 24, 14 actually tells us when he is coming back for all those people about uh, Y2K. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then what? And then the end will come. When the kingdom had been proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, the whole world, that includes right there, then the end will come. So if we stay here and we just do church for us, then he's not coming back. He's just not. We have to, as the church, as the body of Christ, be active in going and telling the gospel to the most unreached parts of the world. Now, does that mean everybody's going to get on a plane and everybody's called to go do what we were called to do? No, I get that. But we all can have a part in getting the gospel there. Whether we're praying right here, whether we're giving of our resources, which you guys did to help us go, or whether you're going. So whether we're praying, we're giving, or going, we can be about taking the gospel to the uttermost parts of the world so that Jesus comes back. And I'm ready. You ready? I'm ready for him to come back. And we as a church are going to help bring him back if we're active in taking the gospel to the remote parts of the world. So thank you for your generosity. Thank you for partnering in the gospel to help our family have one of the best experiences we're ever going to have in our life, but mainly because we were able to get on board with what God's doing in his big kingdom work. So thank you for being a part of that. Pastor Jim and his team and I have talked about how are there ways that Harley Kane is getting involved from here on out. There's a lot of ways. Literally, just like the guy you saw in the picture, you can support him as a church for as little as $200 a month. This guy can survive full-time taking the gospel to unreached tribes around the world. Every day, he can be going out and figuring out how to go teach the Bible orally with 200 bucks a month. That's it. And so I'm actively helping our partner figure out how can we mobilize churches and individuals to do that. But you guys can be praying uh, for Simon. You can be praying for the ministry called SRV. You can be giving. And if you're called, you can go. And so SRV will be taking teams in the future back to where we were to continue doing the work. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Let me pray um, and ask God's blessing and ask God to continue to provide the gospel to Simon and to the people in East Africa. Father, we love you this morning. We're so thankful, Father, that we get to be a part of what you're doing in a big world, Father. You're a big God. And we're so thankful that uh, 
you just allow us to be part of what you're doing. God, I pray for Simon, for Lucy, for Faith, uh, for uh, the director of the school, all the great people that ran the orphanage that we met. We pray for their protection right now, Father. We pray that you provide food and water, the little things that we take for granted every day. We pray that you provide everything they need every day for them to continue spreading the gospel to the uttermost parts of the world. Thank you for this church. Thank you for their generous heart to be involved in sending us. Uh, God, I pray that you would bless them tenfold because of their work in the gospel of sending it. And God, I thank you um, for all that you do for us today. God, I pray that we would live like those who live in Africa, that we would be thankful today for how you've provided for us this day. Uh, Father, and I pray that we would live generously with everything that you have given us. We're so grateful. We're so uh, in love with you, Father. And we pray that we continue to worship an audience of one this day. We love you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Jim. awesome, guys. Thank you. Isn't that great? Amen. You know what? It's just so cool to hear that God is still at work in the world around us and beyond us, and he always is at work. And sometimes it's good to hear reports of what God is doing. You, thank you for sharing with us this morning your experience at camp. Uh, saying thank you and your family for sharing with us your experience on the mission field. And, and this is maybe something you feel like you need to do with your family one day. Um, please, please, if that's an, any inclination in your heart, if there's any pull or inclination in your heart, that just won't go away. Um, sometimes we feel that when we hear that and it goes away, but sometimes something happens and it doesn't just, just doesn't go away. My coach used to say to us all the time, you need to learn the difference between pain and injury. And we used to ask, I finally asked him one day, so what's the difference between pain and injury? He said, pain goes away. Injury doesn't go away. And so if God tugs your heart today, that's not unusual, but if that doesn't go away, you might want to listen what God is saying to you. And, um, and so I encourage you this morning. It's good to be home. Um, we had a great time in Colorado. I got, uh, we went to Colorado and uh, we were at my brother-in-law's home uh, just above the Gunnison River um, and a little creek run along there. I love Colorado, but I hate mosquitoes. I came home and had a blood transfusion and uh, I told him the state bird of Colorado is a mosquito. And uh, it was outrageous. It really was. We had a great time. Got to rest. I ate and ate and ate and ate, and I have uh, I have high blood sugar now, and uh, so I'm back on. I'm gonna have to go back on diet starting tomorrow, but uh, we had a great time. We really did, and I appreciated John being here last week and telling you to give. I paid him an extra $10 for that statement. No, I'm just joking. But, uh, and while we were gone, we were surprised we got home because they remodeled our bathrooms. And I told John, I really appreciate you remodeling our bathrooms. The only problem now is our bathrooms look better than the rest of the house, so I've got to go to remodel the rest of the house now to catch up. So uh, be, otherwise, we're all just going to sit around in a bathroom. If you come to my house now, don't be surprised your pastor says, you want to see our bathrooms? That's... Uh, <laughs> But they are beautiful, and I appreciate all of those of you who helped with that. Uh, I was I was blessed by bathrooms, <laughs> and I just can't thank you enough. 
Well, today is an exciting day for me because it's a baptism Sunday for us, and not the only Sunday we baptize, but this one's always special because we go to the beach. And um, we, uh, we get out of the, fall, the walls of our normal meeting place, and we go out where the world gets to observe us. And we've had times in the past where we were baptizing, and literally people came up to us on the beach and said, what are you doing here? Uh, I remember a few years ago we actually got to share the gospel with a guy, and he got baptized that day in his street clothes on the beach. People say, well, he didn't go through six classes. Well, that's not in your Bible. Read it. Okay? And um, I don't know where that guy is today, but I know one thing. I believe we'll see him again in heaven one day. And so it's a great opportunity for us to go public with our faith. I think it's easy sometimes for us to put it in here and keep it in here, but we're going to get to go public with it, and we're excited about it this morning. And so I want to just share a couple of things with you, introduce with you some of the people that are going to be baptized today. Not all of them could be here. We have some who have literally changed their work schedule so they could be there this afternoon. And uh, I got to baptize Gabby yesterday. Gabby, right over here, stand up. I baptized her yesterday. Many of you remember the Perinos. Um, they, used to, they were a part of our church for many years. She was just a little one when they moved, and she got saved not long ago, and she told her pastor, I'm going to California for Pastor Jim to baptize me where my sisters were baptized. And so I baptized her at the uh, Stone Quarry, I mean at uh, St. Buenaventura yesterday, and, um, and we're going to go back over this afternoon, and the good news is we're not going to the rock quarry, so none of you have to worry about getting stoned. You can just worry about getting baptized. But we had a great time, and we're excited for you. And uh, the only one of this family that I did not baptize was Shannon Perino, the mom. She got baptized when she was younger, but she went out with us. And when she was leaving, I told him, Shannon's the only one that I haven't baptized. She's the only one who's not going to heaven. No. (laughs) I was joking. Uh, but uh, so we got through and she reached over to hug her baby and the wave hit her and just she went under I said I got her too so uh, uh, but God got her so uh, but anyway but real quickly let me just share with you why baptism matters to us at this church because it's actually a requirement for you to be a member of Harley Kansas Church people say is it required for me to be a Christian well the answer is no and yes no baptism does not save you no one in this building is saved because you were baptized okay Now, if you are saved, why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you? I mean, it's something you want to do. It's something I think God puts in our hearts to do. And so uh, if you've never been baptized, I want you to listen for just a moment to introduce some people. We're going to sing a song, as always, take an offering, and then we're going to be dismissed. And we're going to go to the beach. And everybody's going, correct? Because it's 40 degrees cooler over there. Okay? (laughs) And so we want to invite you to come be with us. But let me share with you. First of all, Christ commands it. Christ commands it. Uh, In the Great Commission, Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And then the next words are what? Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe everything that I command you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus very clearly commanded that that, that's what we do as a church. Now the word baptize simply means to immerse or to dip under water. Uh, it's a, it's a, a transliteration of a word. We didn't really have a word for it, but it means to dip underwater. And so Jesus did this as a symbol of our faith. And when we're baptized, we stand in the water. Basically, we're saying without saying a word, we believe Christ died on the cross for our sins. If you believe Christ died on the cross for your sins, you got the first step of the gospel in your heart. 
But he didn't just, he didn't just die on a cross. The Bible says then Jesus was buried for our sin. That means our sin's dead. It no longer has any effect in our life, past, present, and future. Our sin is buried with Christ. And we bury things because they're dead. Do not bury me alive. Okay? And so our sin died, and so we bury it. And then, obviously, the crowning jewel of our faith is the resurrection. That's why we bring you out of the water. That's why we explain it before we do it. Okay? And so we bring you up out of the water because the gospel according to 1 Corinthians 15 is basically Christ died for our sins according to Scripture. He was buried and he rose again according to the Scriptures. And when we believe the gospel and we accept the gift of eternal life in our heart, then we want to put on the symbol of our salvation, which is an act of baptism, whereby we honor the Lord in believer's baptism. This isn't what your parents did to you when you were an infant. This is you willfully choosing to believe in the gospel and give your life to Christ. And so Christ commands it. Number two, the Holy Spirit compels us to do it. You know, people tell me all the time, well, I just don't feel like I need to do that. Well, you need to go back and check what happened in your heart because when I read through the New Testament, one, the first thing that always happens, particularly in the book of Acts, after someone receives Christ is they're baptized like that, just like that. I mean, look at it on the first day of the church. Those who re gladly received his word were baptized. They were added to that day about 3,000 souls, over 3,000 baptisms in one day. You know, can you imagine that? That would be so cool to me. I mean, there's only 12 guys baptizing. They were there for a long, long time. They were baptizing, but it was, a, it, was a, it was a movement of the Holy Spirit that caused these people to do something, and frankly, they didn't have classes. Now, I'm not against classes because I want people to understand what they're doing, but the reality is they knew what they would believed in, and they were compelled by the Holy Spirit to be baptized. The Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8, when Stephen is taken down to greet this man, and he explains to him from the Scriptures, the Gospels, and the Bible says that as they were then going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See the water? What prohibits me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. He was compelled by the Holy Spirit and the truth of gospel to follow the Lord's believer's baptism. Saul of Tarsus. Paul, remember Saul? He's on a high horse, and God knocks him off. Remember that? On his way to persecute Christians to Damascus. And God knocks him off his high horse. He blinds him. He takes him into a place. Finally, God regains his sight, and the Bible says, and then he arose and he was baptized. He arose and he was baptized and taking food. I mean, he was baptized before he ate. That's how serious it is, okay? He arose and then taking food, he was strengthened. Saul proclaims Jesus in synagogues for some days. He was with the disciples at Damascus. So when he went to kill people, he ended up living with these people, communicating the gospel. And so uh, there are a lot of them that I could share. If you read through the book of Acts, read and sometimes just look at how important baptism was. It wasn't important because it saved them. It was important because it was a symbol. It was an expression of their salvation. I tell people all the time, being baptized is like wearing a wedding ring. Okay? I had uh, the same wedding ring, and I wore it for about 34 years. And uh, I got so fat that it finally broke. And uh, we were going to try to repair it, but I couldn't afford the gold. And so I didn't wear that ring for a while. And, um, and, but it didn't mean I wasn't married because I'm not married because I wear a ring. I'm married because I made a commitment. 
Okay, and I wear the ring because I'm proud of the commitment. I'm very proud of the fact that my wife was willing to marry me. Okay, and I'm grateful, and I wear rings so women don't chase me. It's really a joke. I hope you know that. So that's, that was really bad, wasn't it? <laughs> that was really bad. Is that bad, Drew? It's okay. He's the comedian up here. But anyway, but you wear it as us. I wear this ring because I'm very grateful and proud the fact that my wife was willing to say 39 years ago. She said, I do. And I said, I do. We wear rings because we're proud of the fact that God is in his grace has kept us married. And so, you know, good news, we don't have to walk around in a baptistry. Okay. We just go in and get in the water and are baptized. Let me give you the third one. God is because the, God the Father is convinced. He, there's something about the Father convinced when you're serious enough to publicly acknowledge him by faith. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 10, Everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. People tell me all the time, well, the only one that needs to know is God. That's not what this says. My dad used to say, some folks who have Jesus in their heart need to notify their faith. You need to notify your life. And there needs to be evidence of that. And one of the evidences is that there's a public acknowledgement of our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And one of the ways we do that is when we publicly acknowledge him through believer's baptism. And so it, it, it confirmed. Now, I, I don't mean God's convinced in a, in a sense of, but I think there's something in the heart of God that is, resonates when we're willing to affirm him openly and publicly and say, God, I've accepted you, and I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. And then let me give you one more. I think the church is recharged by it. You know, I, I, this is one of my favorite Sundays of the year. Baptism Sunday, which whether it's here in a tank or there in, a, in the ocean, or we baptized the first hundred people at Harley Kansas Church in the pool in my backyard. That's why I bought a pool, because we needed a baptistry. That was my excuse for buying a pool. But we baptized probably the first hundred people. And I remember my neighbors used to say, what are y'all doing over there? We're having baptism. But they were all Catholic. And one guy looked at me like this, and I said, don't worry. I got a whole pool full of holy water <laughs> back there in the back. And it's holy because Jesus is there. And so we used to have fun with that. But the reality is nothing recharges a church more than seeing the new birth of people. Nothing does. How many of you... Um, would say that your children helped you stay married? And some of you are not willing to admit that. But I guarantee it's true, isn't it? Nothing like new life. There's nothing like new life coming into a relationship that makes you fight harder for that relationship. It really is. Now, I don't mean I'm married because I had kids, but I would tell you the fact that God birthed children into my home gave me a reason to fight through things that would have been more difficult to fight through had it not happened. And I think the reason most churches are dying today is not because they don't have Christians in them, but because they're not giving birth to new Christians in the midst of that church. And so every time we gather together as a body of believers, every time we do this and we observe people baptized, it's like God lets us go into the birth room and see people born again. It's interesting when a person is getting ready to give birth to a baby, kids, I know you're in here, but one is, the, one is one of the last things that happens before that baby is born with regard to the mother? 
or water breaks. That's why the Bible says, except you're born of water and of the Spirit, you cannot be born again. Because when you know that water breaks, it's close, isn't it? I mean, it's time. And out of that then comes birth. You know, I think that's so cool to me as a picture. And I know there's a whole lot more meaning to that text of Scripture in John 3, but there's something unique about that. Because the Nicodemus, when he said to Nicodemus, you've got to be born again, he said, does a man enter the second time to his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said unto him, truly, I truly, I say to you, except what is born is of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, the water doesn't save you. You were a child before you were born. We believe that in this church. We protect the womb. We believe the womb should be a place where children are protected. I believe that deeply. Why do I believe that? Because I believe that that's a human in there. But thank God for you mothers. We have one over here that's three weeks away. Thank God that baby's eventually born, right? Can you imagine an 18-year-old in your womb? <laughs> They're born. God began a work in you far before you were born. But at your conversion, when you accept Jesus, God births you into eternal life. Now, here's why I say that. Because some of you have not been biblically baptized. And we're going to baptize some today, but some of you have not followed the Lord and believers' baptism. You say, well, I, you know, I was sprinkled on. I was, I mean, we weren't going to get into those arguments. Let me tell you something. If you don't remember it, it wasn't you. Somebody may have done it to you or for you, but nobody can do that. This is a believer's baptism. Those who received his word were baptized. Now, here's why I say that. Because some of you have been putting that off. One of the young ladies I'm going to baptize today, she told me, she said, I've, I've, I've kind of put this off for a while. I said, well, you do know the longer you put it off, the longer I have to hold you down. No, I'm, <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> That's not true. But, um, but I will tell you, why do you not do it? Here's a cool story, and then I'll introduce some of the folks who can be baptized this afternoon. I, I did the, the class over here. I do the service, service over here. And, and today, because the kids are in here, only one, not only one family, but one family showed up. I hate the word only. But one family showed up. And I thought, well, I'll just go through this stuff with them. We're going through this stuff. And, and it was absolutely amazing because as we go through it, all of a sudden, Rochelle looked at me, big tears in her eyes. She says, I've never been baptized. She said, can I get baptized today? And I said, it's just exactly what Stephen said. If you believe, you can. She's coming this afternoon. She's over there this morning. She's being baptized in fire over there. She's with the kids. Uh, <laughs> but if you believe, you can. And she is so excited because she realized this is something that she needs to do. Uh, and it's not going to save her. She's been saved a long time. But it will confirm and affirm her faith. And so she's going to do that. And uh, I'm excited about it. Let me introduce some other folks to you. Mike, you ready? Come up here a minute. And um, you didn't know you were first. Here we go. Can we turn this on? Dan, can I? You want to say anything? You started with me? Yes, sir. I started with you. We're, you, going, we're going by age. Youngest, well, this is, this <laughs> is the first time I've ever stood up in front of a church talking, so thanks. Good morning. Um, first, I want to ask Ken, did he, did you know it was Shark Week? 
Because <laughs> I'm hoping we, if you want to do it out there in the tub still, I'm willing to go out there. <laughs> I did the not tub. know that. Anyway, you guys probably haven't seen me here, but my beautiful wife sitting over there, Robin Corona, and she's very active here yeah. at the church. Um, I'm, I'm going to make this really brief. The young lady that was up here earlier, she first started talking, um, talked about a, a weight on her. And, and I, I feel that weight on me, and I'm hoping that today when I'm baptized, and I, I understand that weight, and I understand that that force that, that doesn't want me even to be here today. Um, so I, I'm hoping to have that burden lifted off of me. Uh, I was an uh, altar boy. I was raised Catholic, and then when I turned 10 years old, they deemed me incorrigible, and I was sent away to a boy's home, and thankfully for that, it was a boys' home called Holly Grove in Hollywood, and they were run by Christians. Really, really neat people, awesome people, and uh, that's where I experienced accepting Christ. We used to every Sunday get up uh, early and get on this old bus. It was like a 19. We're just thankful it started. It was like 1950. Bad pain. Look, made the Partridge Family bus look really good, <laughs> and um, took me up there, and I accepted Christ there for the first time, and. That's where I experienced, it's funny we were talking about camps today, because um, I went to Indian Village and Camp Rancho, and anyway, a lot of seeds were planted in me, and that was, I just turned 54 July 2nd, so that was when I was 10 years old, so those seeds lasted all this time, the Holy Spirit's been with me, and to make a 54-year-old story short, I'm just thankful to be in front of you guys right now, and thankful that Pastor Jim's next to me, else I probably wouldn't have got up here. <laughs> and um, if you could say prayers for me, I'm really only got up here today because he asked me, and I didn't get up here for myself. I got up here uh, for Jesus Christ, and that's why I'm standing here right now. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, yeah, there you go. You look better by her than you do me, so... I think I saw Kirsten here. Is she here? Anybody here? Anyway, um, um, Alexandria Gilbertson is going to be baptized. She's not here. She had to work this morning, but she'll be there this afternoon. And her husband's over there. Do you want to? Do you want to tell her how good she is? Or no? <laughs> we'll we'll introduce that out there. Um, Rochelle Hibbard is going to be baptized. Uh, Bill Atwood is going to be baptized. Bill wanted to be here this morning, but he's had family come in from all over the country, all over the country to be a part of this with him this afternoon. And he didn't know it, but they set up a brunch for him at 11 o'clock in Ventura. And he said, I told him I was going to skip it so I could be here. I said, you might want to be there. <laughs> and we'll let you share at the beach. And so we're going to have some folks who will share there at the beach. And um, anyway, um, um, I'm, I'm standing here, I'm trying to think of everyone. Um, uh, Anthony Penalosa. Anthony, come here a minute. Yeah. This young man's been through a lot. Just take a couple of minutes to share a little bit what you've gone through and why you're going to be baptized today. Cool. Hello. The main reason, you know, you shared about a huge weight on our shoulder, and uh, but all I, well, but all I can think of is when you, when you said that is 
just coming out the water and taking the, I have, I have like anger on my shoulder too. And, um, you know, I've struggled with addiction um, and it led me into some pretty, some really dark places in my life. So, uh, you know, I've been, um, I've been saved and uh, forgiven and um, I just want to acknowledge God and thank him for what he, you know, pulled me out of. And, uh, you know, today I'm grateful and I am, I'm hopeful and uh, I, can, I can stand proud and uh, know that I've accomplished a lot, not because of my doing, because of God. And um, he was singing that, that worship song earlier that um, he's been so, so good to me. And um, I want to just acknowledge God. And, just, and I'm doing it for him and for myself to get that weight off my shoulder. <laughs> and uh, I'm doing it for my family and for my girlfriend as well. So, yeah. Marissa, come up here. Where's Marissa? There you are. Come here. I'm sorry. I know your sister couldn't be here today because uh, she's having to work, but she's going to be out there. I had a good visit with this young. She's the one I told the other day. She said, I put this off for a long time. Well, I have to hold you down longer. And, um, and I'm so proud of this kid. I've known her since she was in high school, went away to college, and now she's come back. She said, it's time to do this. So you want to share this? Sure. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I went away to college, and I think it was there that uh, I went to a new church up there. Um, had to kind of look around for one, but I finally found one. And while I was there, uh, I heard the song "Reckless Love" for the first time. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> that it hit pretty hard the first time I heard it, and the second time. And ever since I heard that and the lyrics, it just kind of it. I felt God pulling me towards him, and not that I wasn't saved before, but I don't think I was living the way I should have. And yeah, it was just pulling me towards him, and even though I was still kind of like running away, um, but I was kind of, I was just not walking towards him. And so I felt that, and today, or about a week ago, I think I, I was praying and I asked God, like, really would like you to play Reckless Love, that'd be awesome. So that played today, and so that was kind of, um, after the last few months I've had, it was just kind of like the first time I really heard God speaking to me, um, just kind of living off his promises for a while there. <laughs> and so today it was really beautiful to hear that and sing that and feel that. So, yeah, I'm excited to get baptized today. <laughs> yeah. I love you. All right, anybody else? The Bible, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. That doesn't mean say so. That means you need to do that. If you'd like to be baptized today, maybe you'd like to talk to someone after service. We'd love to visit with you about that. But I want us to pray for these folks that are going to be coming and pray for these families, and again, we'll introduce them again at the beach, but we don't really, can't hear well there. We're going to be meeting at the harbor in Ventura. Now, the harbor this year, we're not going to the wavy beach this year because I'm getting too old. And I told them, um, I've told them before, the waves got so bad last year and the rocks, we baptized a 90-year-old lady last year, and we're grateful she did not go to heaven that day because it was absolutely terrible because there were not only big waves, there were rocks in the waves, so we not only got baptized, we got stoned. 
and uh, at the same time. And, uh, but I, I told somebody earlier, I said, I used to be sore the day after baptism. Now I'm sore for a week after baptism, so we're going to the bay. And uh, then you can run over and jump in the waves. I'll even do that with you, but, I, uh, but uh, we're going to do that. So I want to pray for them. And this prayer will prepare us for offering. Um, guys, when we take an offering, please know this, you're supporting the mission of the church. This isn't about anything other than us coming together as a body of Christ and believing in the mission of the gospel so much that we're willing to give of our time, talents, and treasures to the Lord. And so when you do that, you're supporting this. And so I would encourage you this morning as we prepare for that offering to pray for these who are going to be baptized. And then um, I just um, am grateful today that God has um, given us the opportunity to be here to hear these stories. Father, thank you for the morning. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your kindness. Pray for Mike and Bill, Marissa, Alexandria, Rochelle, Anthony, and others from the other congregations who will be joining us at the beach today to publicly acknowledge their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Father, I pray this morning that our church would have a heart for the gospel, but not just one that saves us, but one that has the power of God to save the world. A world is desperately in need of help. And God, the only help comes that's true help is the help that comes from the Lord. That's why the psalmist says, I'll look to the heavens from which my help comes from. My help comes from the God of heaven and the God of the earth. And Father, I pray this morning that you would help us to join them this afternoon to celebrate with them. And if we can't go to the beach, I pray that they'd pray for these folks. God, I pray that you'd bless them and encourage them. And God, I pray that as we join together uh, as a body of believers to celebrate, that we would not only communicate our belief with one another, but to others who will be there on the beach who may see what we're doing and ask, what must I do to be saved? So we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you for the day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.